One of our favorite things to do here at Beyond Healing Center is therapeutic retreats. Our retreats are three to five days with holistic wraparound services, all designed to meet your personal needs and goals. You can choose from a menu of services, including EMDR, trauma-informed massage, nervous system-informed yoga and movement, and even equine therapy. From the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, we've crafted this experience to be one of safety and healing. Whether you're interested in a retreat for yourself, or if you're a therapist interested for a client, we would love to talk to you about how our retreats can be a part of a healing journey. Contact our retreat coordinator at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com or visit our website at beyondhealingcenter.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, where we value each person's humanity and what life experiences shaped you to be who you are. We, as the hosts of this podcast, seek to embody these ideas as we explore things like trauma, its impact on the body and mind, and even how it has shaped the way that we are in relationships. Trauma is not the end of our journey. So within this podcast, we will also discuss what it's like to heal, move forward, and grow as a human who has experienced pain. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma Podcast, a guide for your healing journey. We are in studio today to dive into season one, our first... Season three. Three. Thank you. Our first number one real episode. Yes, of season three. Yes. We had the introduction episode and we want to talk more today about what healing is. Um, There's a what seems to be just kind of a general misconception that healing has to happen in therapy Mm -hmm. and that in order to heal, you must go to therapy, which we are all huge proponents for personally and for other people. But um, we really want to explore like, what does it even mean to heal? What are the components Mm -hmm. of healing and why does therapy help with that? Like why can healing happen in a uh, setting like therapy, but then how do we look for it elsewhere? How can we start to look for opportunities for healing and change in our lives outside of the therapy room? Yeah. We talk about our definition for trauma therapy is to get to the point where my body and mind both agree that I'm safe in connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that um, I think is a pretty useful definition mm-hmm. for, for healing. Um, you know, within that, there are so many conversations that we could have about what that really means and in what areas, uh, you know, is there maybe the need for more attention than others. Um, I think spirituality is something that we'll also talk about within this conversation, but that maybe can serve as sort of our baseline for, to get to the point where my mind and body both agree that I'm safe in connection. Mm -hmm. Uh, we talked about this a lot in our last season where, Sometimes that's not always true. Sometimes our mind may tell us that we're safe from the top down, but ultimately our body's like, no, uh, actually this place doesn't feel safe. I'm actually feeling very overwhelmed and something in this environment is triggering uh, some pretty intense memories of fear that live in my body. So no matter the story that's coming from the top down, I still don't feel safe. Yeah. 
I think that definition is, I love it so much because it's relatable enough that you can actually just pause in that moment and, and notice like how disconnected we can become where our mind can believe one thing of like, of course, this relationship is great. And like, this is the perfect relationship I've always wanted, but mm-hmm. why do I keep noticing myself like pull away from it or create conflict within that or feel fearful or um, afraid I'm going to lose it. So in whatever relationship or opportunity for connection, we want to be able to say our bodies feel safe too. And we have an adaptive, healthy story to make sense of that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really useful to use that as a kind of foundational understanding of a lot of different things that we hear people talk about in the mental health world. So there's, you know, as is in every area, there's certain um, ideas and words and uh, identifiers that are kind of uh, popular. Mm -hmm. And by popular, I mean discussed a lot right now. They're just being talked about a lot. Dissociation is one. Um, somatic healing, holistic healing, those kinds of things are are really popular. And hey, I'm really glad about all of those. In fact, I picked those three because I like them too. Mm. Um, but w- what feels really essential is to have a unified understanding of why these things matter. All right, why are they worth paying attention to in terms of healing? And from a symptomological perspective, something like dissociation or anxiety or depression or anything that you hear people talk about is an indication that your body and mind are not agreeing that I am safe where I am. And dissociation is a really easy example of that. Any time that you are feeling a, a sensation of dissociation in your body, it will always be true that there is something happening either internally or externally that means you don't feel safe. Yeah. And uh, without that kind of basic understanding of what are all these symptoms about? Why do humans get anxious? Why do we get depressed? Why do we have uh, another huge one, abandonment fears, right? <laughs> why do we have phobias? Why do, right? What is all of this stuff? Attachment issues. Yeah, why do we yeah. have attachment struggles? What is all of this about? And it always comes down to we do not feel safe where we are, either with whom we're with or in our own skin, and oftentimes both all at the same time. Yeah. And that's a really scary place to live. Um, and so I think that whenever we're talking about healing, we have to track safety. Mm. And one of the hardest things about tracking safety is that most of us have a tenuous relationship with knowing what safety feels like in our body. Yes. And that is why this emphasis on holistic healing and somatic healing and this move towards integrating other things besides just talk therapy is gaining so much momentum because we kind of realize like, oh, I can talk to your, you know, left brain cognitive logical self in a rational way all day long and not much changes because your body is not agreeing with us. We're not all on the same page. And so what do we do about that? And here comes all of these other modalities that are incredibly beneficial in helping our mind and body agree. And personally, I think that it tends to be more true that first my body feels safe And from there, then I become aware of a truer story of what's really going on for me rather than imposing a story on my body. If the body doesn't feel safe, you won't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Like you can convince yourself that something is good when it's not. Like we have, you know, the the evolved neocortex to actually create that sense of disconnect between our mind and body. But if 
the body doesn't feel safe, we won't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's such an, just an important sort of central point. And when we start thinking about, you know, what keeps us from healing, um, that's really the first place to kind of look mm-hmm. what's happening in the body. That, um, that concept of we have the ability to actually cognitively create the disconnect mm-hmm. between mind and body. That is what perpetuates these symptoms. Yeah. It is that disintegration. It can bring short-term relief, like a quick, I can begin to convince myself that I'm safe enough in this relationship and mm-hmm. that I don't have to react with all of these symptoms of anxiety or fear, or um, I could just convince myself of that. There's short-term relief, but it can continue to perpetuate the symptoms and the the problems that leads to that disintegration. Yeah. When we're talking about mind and body in agreement, that's integration. Yes. And when we're talking about the disconnect there. That's the disintegration, mm-hmm. which is that stands in the way of being able to heal. So as helpful as those strategies can be of like, if I just think differently about right. this and I convince myself and I talk myself through all of the logic as to like why I actually am safe here. I know I'm safe and I've checked all these things. That is a very short-term healing and can actually perpetuate like long-term struggles. It's when we can come into feeling the threat, feeling the fear, being able to be with that feeling and move from healing in that bottom up way that we can reach what long-term healing can look like. Absolutely. I think there's such a difference um, in understanding between talking about what does it mean to be healing versus what does it mean to be healed? Mm. And, you know, our word here is very intentional because we don't, understand this as uh, a healed state. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that describing like what what do we mean by that and why do we really intentionally view it as this perpetual ongoing thing. Um, and I think that now more than ever, the reason for that is incredibly relevant because if if we have to wait until the moment in our lives where we look around and go, oh, I am perfectly safe. There's no threats <laughs> anywhere. Therefore, I am healed. Yeah. Right? Um, no. So <laughs> uh, that that cannot be the goal. That's not really even worth tracking a whole lot. It's not possible. No, because new threats are uh, bombarding us every day. And so what is worth tracking and what is sort of the point of pursuing this? The state of healing is about tremendous ability to be honest with ourselves in a moment to moment way of how safe do I feel right here right now? Right? Because if I can sense that and be honest with myself about it, then I can know how to care for myself and parent myself through it. It's not about in every situation I'm in or in every relationship I in, I need to find perfect safety. We won't have relationships if that's the case. I think there's a lot of relationships ended because we don't know how to take care of ourselves in the unsafe moments. And uh, so being able to track that and and respond lovingly to ourselves when we feel a moment of unsafety, to me, that is healing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think that it's it's such a postural shift as well, even in just de-shaming this experience of overwhelm that may Mm -hmm. come to us after we think we've healed, quote unquote, Mm. you know, removing that expectation from our ex, I guess, removing that expectation from our kind of, um, 
even agenda for what we think we should do following an experience when it's just healing, when we're just mm-hmm. hoping to begin this process of healing, understanding that we'll always be on that process when, and pretty inevitably when something comes up again, right. it's mm-hmm. met not with shame and self-criticism or blame towards the other, mm-hmm. but it's met instead with curiosity and compassion more often than not. Right. That's that's the piece that gets me so excited about the definition of when I'm when my body and mind are both in agreement that I am safe in connection. And that piece being that is where healing happens. When the world yeah. is the world is constantly presenting threat. Constantly. Mm-hmm. We are always against a new type of threat, whether it's physical, it's social, relational, like any of those pieces. But if we can find safety in connection mm-hmm. and our systems can allow us to feel safe there, then we can weather so many more storms. Right. Right. If we have a safe place to retreat back to as we're facing these new fears and as life continues and we say, but I do feel safe when I can come into connection with another human, then we can we can survive these storms and we can face all of that um, from a much more resilient place where they mm-hmm. don't crumble us. Mm -hmm. in the same way as if we feel like we have to do it completely alone yeah yeah that's so true Mm -hmm. it sets up that just fertile ground to say like i can heal from from much more and i can tackle much more Mm -hmm. if i'm able to feel safe in connection Mm -hmm. which is why it's our goal for therapy yes like that's where we always start because then it says after that you can have even if it's just an internalized you know, representation of that experience mm-hmm. of being in connection, but you can also then find connection with other people and be able to continue a healing process mm-hmm. perpetually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's just, again, as you said, just so important, even from us understanding what therapy is mm-hmm. and why it produces healing or has the opportunity or potential to create healing. It's yeah. not because there's something magical, um, you know, some, uh, something that's administered in the treatment room that makes it happen. It's the relationship that takes really Mm -hmm. the, the full weight of the, you know, therapeutic agenda into actuality. Like it's actually what's creating the change that we're hoping to see. And when we can't experience safety and connection, that's what makes pretty much every road to healing more difficult. Mm -hmm. When we talk about what is a barrier to healing or when we've deemed connection a threat that's a mm. major barrier yeah. to our ability to ever feel safe in connection again. Mm. Yes. Mm. And that can be very real. Yeah. I think if we can, you know, you can look at stories from your own life or the other people and be able to see like, why was it that in this circumstance, you know, this was a major trauma that happened or difficult, I think, but I was able to like get through that. Okay. If we consider all the factors, what I feel like I see so often and just know in my own life is when I'm able to get through those really hard things, it's when I feel like I have a safe place to return to, yeah. to like, how do I, you know, process this? I feel safe to share all the feelings that I have about this with yeah. someone who will let me have all of those. Mm-hmm. And and the times or that I didn't feel like I could recover or heal from something or I got stuck in that, it's the times I didn't feel like I had that. I mm-hmm. lost that place. And so I think we look at one of the fundamental pieces to healing and it's having a safe place to be able to process the experience and share your feelings and be safe in that connection. Yeah. That makes me think of the, our definition of trauma, which the, you know, too much 
too soon, too much for too long or too little for too long, but it's the second piece that actually makes it the trauma, which is that it's in the absence of secure attunement Mm -hmm. when those other elements happen, but we're in the context of a safe connected and, you know, attuned relationship. Um, it's not to say that they won't be traumatic necessarily, but they even could be, but the way in which we recover and can actually experience growth afterward is much greater Mm -hmm. and much more supported when we are in that relationship. Yeah. I'm super curious about reflecting with you guys on kind of our lived experience of safety in connection, both with each other. And then also, you know, we have the opportunity to create community here at our center with our people and be so intentional about these spaces and these invitations into connection. And um, I feel like we've had so much reflection from other people at this point about what that feels like to Mm -hmm. them. And, you know, words that we hear a lot like welcome, invitation, permission, um, safe to be a mess and just that you know that that word mess is just lovely (laughs) and it's uh you know the pictures that it creates in our mind of like there there's uh this space where i can bring whatever is in me and put it into the space knowing that it's not going to be judged or analyzed or poked at and prodded at and uh or stomped on you know depending on our various previous experience um and uh, that we can just sort of stand there and look at it ourselves with other people standing next to us having a look at it as well going good for you for puking that up (laughs) i'm gonna stand here with you while you look at it because that's yours right and so it's not this uh this space where we're solving each other's problems and we're giving each other advice and we're telling each other, you know, this is what it means to be healthy and happy, et cetera. It's uh, much quieter than that, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> much messier. Um, yeah, yeah, quieter and messier all yeah. at the same time, which is just a lovely combination. Um, but I, I think that that feeling of welcome and invitation to see yourself by being seen by other people is really novel for a lot mm-hmm. of us um, and takes work and intentionality yeah Yeah. i think the relationships here that we get to experience with work um ryan and i have both reflected on this of just like this feels like our therapy oh yeah like so much personal growth and Mm -hmm. transformation happening at like a rate i don't really know how to like keep up with um and integrate regularly (laughs) and i think that experience of feeling like this feels like our therapy and then as you were talking, I was just thinking like, what if we're not really trying, we're not actually trying to create this space to be like therapy in therapy. We're trying to create this space, this space yeah. which this is just yes. safe relationship. Yes. That's what this yeah. is about. And when yeah. we talk about this, we're saying like our um, group of therapists that, and, and team members that we have here at beyond mm-hmm. and the way that we have set this up as Melissa, you were describing, but therapy is designed to recreate natural safe relationship yeah which in themselves lead to that healing process yes absolutely and and we have i mean i think therapy offers some dynamics that are really important there's like consistency and i get every single week an opportunity to experience Mm -hmm. that and and there are some tools and methods that that. really can speed up that process but yes Mm -hmm. um 
But really, I think just looking at like that, absolutely, those same experiences of healing can happen in environments that aren't necessarily therapy. Mm, absolutely. In so many other environments. Okay, so I just had this lovely mental picture, and I'm curious if you guys will resonate with it as well, of like, um, you know, the the four of us, meaning the three of us here and Ryan, who's Jen's husband, you know, we all got together and could have decided like, Hey, y'all want to go like swim in this lake. Oh my God. Right. And this, like literally we did that. But I think metaphorically what was also happening here was like, do you want to get in this water of safe connection and like try this out together? Mm -hmm. It was like crazy wild idea and just like go for it. (laughs) And you know, we have this adorable picture of like us as just heads because we're submerged in water other than Ryan because he was taking the picture and just like these little kid grins Mm -hmm. on our faces because (laughs) there was really that kind of embodied collective experience of oh this is what we've been looking for and not even knowing that we were looking for and I think that um, as we've invited more people into those kinds of relationships there's just this really tender and lovely and individual process of how do people respond to that invitation to come swimming in this lake with us yeah. you know we we have the the gentle toe dippers and we have the cannonballers and we have everything in between and it's all perfect yeah <laughs> yeah and just the the feeling of you know our job is to just stay in that lake and keep swimming as an invitation and and keep welcoming people into it and i feel like in therapy it does feel that way regardless of how somebody enters into the space whether they are that cannonballer with it or the cannonballer right on top of your head or like that happens too um (laughs) or the the slow toe dipper or no somebody else go first and tell me how the water is it doesn't matter what our strategy is the invitation is still the same and the healing is still the same yeah what i you know some of the things that are just so common across symptoms or across disorders, quote unquote, um, are these elements of fear and shame. And Mm. we wanted to talk about this in this episode, but I think the reason we wanted to is because it's directly, um, you know, it's in contrast to what the healing environment naturally brings about. Mm -hmm. It challenges fear in a way that says, can we actually enter a space where what we're afraid is going to happen doesn't, Mm. and Mm -hmm. we can integrate that together in connection. There are not sharks in this water. Exactly. Yeah. And with the shame aspect of those who completely refuse the invitation because I'm not good enough, the, you know, the community there itself is a disconfirming experience um, in saying, you know, it's not because you're good or bad that we want to be with you. It's because you're human and we're human. And in that, when we actually focus on some of the, some of the most sort of ingrained um, genetic barriers to healing, which are those elements of fear and shame. They, they chase us around at every corner and, and try to, you know, kind of trap us down. But in the context of secure attunement, those are the very things that are challenged. Yep. They are themselves called out as, you know, is this actually true? Mm-hmm. And can your body know the difference between a fear and true connection? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in those, in the ideal healing journey of, you know, creating these environment where there's invitations to safe connection, it will and should 
activate those fears Mm -hmm. and then you getting to play that out and not see the same thing play out as what did in the past. Mm -hmm. Like though that is where the healing really takes place is when I can be in this dynamic and feel the fear or shame come into my body and want to move into my pattern of strategy of like, do I pull away from this or do I try to control it? Or, you know, how do I react and respond to this? And because it is safe enough, I'm able to say, what if I don't try that strategy? Or what, what if I just, I just admit be? that I'm tempted to use that strategy? Yes, right just now. say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like I, just I really want to run space. away. Yeah. yeah. And I wait and I see what happens. Mm-hmm. Could I try that? And that, you know, with us, we're, we're talking about it in the context of our work environment because, and how crazy is that really, guys? I, <laughs> I never thought I'd have that at a work environment. But. Yeah, I was just reflecting as we were talking about that lake experience. Like, I remember the night, the first night that we all spent together and I was out on the back porch and I was just like sitting there enjoying, it was in the summertime and it was uh-huh. nice at night and I had no idea how important that mm-hmm. was Yeah, mm-hmm. and why I still remember that. I was just sitting there. Yeah. It was so interesting. Mm-hmm. What sticks with you in moments like that where you're kind of like collecting evidence to explain your experience or to like understand it more. Yeah. That's one of the memories in it is that me being on the back porch. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have several little moments of that memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would mm-hmm. be fun to talk about those in detail. It was mm-hmm. a really good night. Mm-hmm. But I think as we're talking about in this work environment, what I want to start to explore is like, where else can we find that? If you don't have a work environment that offers you to be you and show up in all the messiness and still be accepted and not judged or shamed, um, where else can we find that? Because sometimes it's not even in marriages. It's not even with parents. Mm -hmm. It's not with our friends. It's not at our church. It's like, where do we begin to find this or build it or create it? Mm -hmm. I think anywhere that people gather, there is the potential for this. Mm. But then we also intuitively know anywhere that people gather, there is the potential for pain. For threat. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And that is our conundrum. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, it goes back to that ability to carefully and honestly track, do I feel safe here? Mm. And that doesn't mean that the first hint of lack of safety in my body, I bail, even though I might be tempted to. It's more just a, just notice that you're getting nervous and then ask why, right? Like where, where is my threat? And if the threat is coming from something in your environment, like you're really picking up on something, then maybe it's time to go. But oftentimes what we discover is, no, the threat is from my past, Mm -hmm. The threat is bubbling up from within me, the fear that this person in front of me or this group of people might be like something I've experienced in the past. And so our challenge and kind of the growth edge in a healing process is, can I hold steady when those fears come up from inside me and wait to see if I get any evidence of that on the outside? And if I don't, If these people stay gentle and safe and welcoming, can I stay just a little bit longer than I normally would? And if I can do that, then I will begin to have those disconfirming experiences that teach my body that I don't always have to expect rejection and judgment and pain, et cetera. But it's kind of finding that little edge of, can I stay just a, a little bit longer if 
the evidence is not there, that these people are not safe for me. Um, but that's tricky. You guys like, that's just honestly a challenge to, to discern that and feel that. But over and over the answer will be in your own body. Is the threat coming from outside of you or is the threat coming from within? And that is a a tender question to ask. And sometimes, you know, therapy honestly is one of the places where we learn how to feel that, which Mm. is why we're still really pro-therapy because that's kind of the whole point of it. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's tricky to find pure enough environments to really learn this and therapy can be one of those. Um, but I think whatever situation we find ourselves in, that's the question that we're tracking. Mm-hmm. I think of that being really fitting in a context where it's a group of people that maybe really are able to offer this mm-hmm. and we're the ones that are timid or uncertain. Yeah. I think another scenario is the group of people that we're really committed to and like cognitively, like, absolutely, these are my people, right. but we recognize how unsafe or unhealthy mm-hmm. it feels for us. And maybe not even a group, maybe just a single relationship. Right. And in the same way that you're talking of being able to still turn to your body and say, how do I know when, if I listen to my body, how unsafe I am feeling or how mm-hmm. unsupported or how um, shamed I'm feeling mm-hmm. and to know when to also make the decision to protect yourself in yes. that yeah. because we have different strategies some maybe to cling into those relationships mm-hmm. and some may to be run away from them mm-hmm. but to always be listening and turning back into your body of like what is my experience of this relationship and how can i you know how can we influence those relationships or create other ones that could offer these same healing experiences mm-hmm. i think for me um it comes to this place of like can we be bold enough and courageous enough to speak to a person or a group to say what we want mm-hmm. in the relationship? Yeah, to voice your desires. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we get so lost. Like group dynamics are created out of all of our strategies, just like getting blended together. But <laughs> yeah. could we come into a new friendship or a new relationship and say, I'm really looking for like a person that I can be just be me with yeah. in, in my messiness and can be loved and accepted that way. And I'm looking to be able to offer that to somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a terrifying thing to be vulnerable enough to say right. that. But I think that's where a lot of where it starts is can mm-hmm. I like identify my desires here and can I be that person for someone else? Mm-hmm. I love that you're starting it with the desire for us to kind of just have the inventory available to know what it is that we desire. Mm -hmm. You know, that Mm -hmm. assumes quite a bit of work of, or even just a posture of openness to yourself um, to be able to say, what I'm looking for is this. Um, I think about this uh, recent experience I had with a client and uh, this is a a young uh, female client and she has uh, her mother that comes into therapy with her quite a bit. And she recently transitioned to a new school and uh this past um year and before she got there you know she came from covid uh experiences of school so she was very insecure Mm. so terrified Mm -hmm. about going to school because she was in the she's in the third grade this year so she hasn't been into a school Mm. building since geez like before first grade yeah so the idea of school was so terrifying to her and she's like talking about the idea of 
people not liking me? Or what if I don't get along with the kids? What if they think I'm weird? What if I think they're weird? Mm -hmm. Like, what if they're not like mommy? What if they're not like daddy? Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to be okay? And the first day was terrible. Like it was filled with panic and just yeah. could not, did not want to leave mom's side, like had to like sit in the car with her and really had a hard time going in. But it wasn't until um, they were having a day of like music mm. in the uh, like choir or whatever that she found something that she felt safe enough to at least try mm. and get involved with. And it was then that she started to notice that there were other kids that liked it too. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that that's so, you know, we, development does nothing but builds on itself. And so right. I think we can learn so much from kids in that way Oh yeah. that there, you know, she was processing through her fears of leaving the people that had been the container of safety and the container of self-expression and growth. And she's a, you know, very expressive kid with at home, um, but has an immense amount of social anxiety because my gosh, she's eight years old in a year of, you know, mm -hmm. the pandemic years. And mm -hmm. so that's just you terrible, know, terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I was just like, I bet it's so crazy to think about going back to school. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting that she found something that made her feel an invitation mm -hmm. to connect, mm -hmm. which is the music. Yeah. And in that she was then open to connection with others and then after that she just started to progressively like more and more like yeah i really uh -huh. i'm actually open to this and then she started to have friends and it was just cool to see this whole process that came out of a an immense amount of fear mm -hmm. but with one cue of safe enough yeah we ventured in yes i think that's so cool i don't know kids are such a like because they distill everything down into its purest form because mm -hmm. they're you know that the, they're children and that's what they do i think that they give us little windows in and sometimes there's kind of these moments where we can check in with the most childlike versions of us and it gives us some great insight yeah. into what might be helpful right now and nine times out of ten like it really is something kind of that simple like oh could we just like play for a second yeah like could we just like dispense with the adultedness of yeah. all of this a game and just, that i know that's like familiar yeah, to me yeah like a tic-tac-toe anyone like yeah. sing a song i mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ring around the rosy um because there's there's those uh elements of togetherness and those kinds of activities that i think immediately give cues of safety yeah and our bodies know what uh helps us feel safe and will instinctively do that but some of that has kind of been edited out of us because it's not socially acceptable um, but little kids don't know that yet. And so they do it naturally. Anora had to have her kindergarten shots, uh -oh. four shots in her legs. Um, not pleased. This not was pleased. traumatic for everybody involved. But I was watching how she was handling it. And it was a disaster, but we did it and we're fine. Um, but I was watching her like try to navigate like how to get herself to feel safe. And her instinct was uh, to have the nurse who was about to give her the shots tell her everything about herself. Nora wanted to know everything. I know the nurse's name was Charlotte. She has three grandchildren. I know all kinds of stuff about this woman <laughs> because that's my kid. She's like, if I know the human that is about to inflict this pain on me, mm. then maybe I'll feel safe to actually experience it with mm. you. And I think that's really similar to what you're saying, Bridger, is like if we can find some point of connection and then some sensation of safety in our body, 
we can build on that. And that's that toe dip into the lake because we're not always ready to cannonball. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe through time we can grow into that space because now this kid's like crazy about music. Ready to go. Uh It is amazing how children can just show it so clearly. Yeah. Yeah. We complicate it so much. As adults, we can relate to, Mm -hmm. I mean, both of those scenarios that you totally get it. Totally totally relate to both of those. Well, and I think a really kind of practical question for people to reflect on for themselves about where can we find healing besides therapy and besides the really obvious places, um, ask yourself what feels the most naturally inviting to you. What brings natural cues of safety to you? Because it's going to be different for everybody. For some people, it's music. For some people, it is church. For some people, uh, Bridger, higher education, (laughs) right? If somebody wants to talk to you about a book, you're immediately safe, Oh yeah, right? If you're holding a book and a cup of coffee, you're safe, man. Uh, You could be talking to Hitler and you'd be fine. Hold it right next to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be great. And so so knowing knowing what naturally kind of brings that up in your body and let this be very individual um, and spend some time just being curious. Uh, An easy example of this, we have a lot of people in our practice where they know that nature helps their body feel safe, right? And there's this instinctive push to like, let's get outside. Everybody feels safer with trees, right? And that's so real, right? Or animals. We naturally have these cues of safety produced in our body in those environments. So look for those little hints, like what are the things that bring up those little cues and how can you wrap them around you like a lovely blanket uh, to help invite you into deeper connection? Yeah. With the metaphor, I'm just visualizing like which life vest right. do you want to put in right. before you Floaties? jump in? Yes. Inner tube? What you <laughs> need here? A noodle? We got noodles. going to keep you feeling safe as One you of those, like, submerge beds. yourself. Do you want to like right. get in right. I'm a full-on skinny dipper. I'm just saying. Like, that's me. That's one strategy. <laughs> that is know? one strategy. Mine, I need a sun shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I need sun pants. You think he's kidding, but he does. No, the white sunscreen on the nose. That's right. That's right. I need a hat for sure. Preferably one that's got a neck flap. Yeah. <laughs> the sun's the worst. You do know that you're 80 years old, right? That's fine. I, I love I you. Like <laughs> 80 or two? I'm not, sure. <laughs> not clear Honestly, on the difference between those my toddlers. It's important that those are close together. Life is a circle. That's I'm right. That's right. A circle. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, anything else, guys? That, <laughs> that feels like, like a, a great, great place note. to wrap yeah. on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well. I think the one theme that kind of ties all of this in is that piece of connection. As we were talking about, where do you find opportunities for healing outside of therapy? We didn't actually mention any that are done alone. Mm-hmm. We didn't say go read a self-help book. <laughs> or <laughs> You can do that. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. that can be supportive. Meditation, but, those types of practices can right. all be great. But yeah. Yes. And they're very supportive of being able to maybe equip you to then toe dip into the water. That's true. Yeah. But the healing is going to be done in relationship. Yeah. The point is to get into the water. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not just brace yourself with all right. of right. the don't, go shopping don't for stay floaties. on the banks yeah. the rest of your life preparing for the water. At some point, we got to get in. Yes. I do think, though, one point about psychoeducation and reading books and listening to podcasts, because you're probably alone while you're listening to this. 
What it does do is that when we get into the water, it helps us stay a little more regulated because mm-hmm. we have more information. We've and so our, it. you know, our panicky left brain that's very concerned about our safety can know some things to help it just take a breath for yeah. just a minute and give us enough of a chance and give us a little bit more buffer so that we can stay in the water a little longer and discover, oh, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a nice place to be. So so those uh, types of activities, meditation, et cetera, it helps us stay calm enough for long enough that we have a chance to actually expose ourselves to the things that are really going to be profoundly healing. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I'm working with somebody or just thinking about a resource to help them in this moment of, of struggle, there's always that tie that I'm trying to get to, to where we're doing it with each other, mm-hmm. yeah. that we're doing it in a group. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't ever want, I, I just know that the body is going to go towards pleasure and avoid pain. Mm-hmm. And so if we have this conditioning that says that, well, no, it's relationships that are the problem and we don't ever kind of try to work on making an invitation to maybe challenge that a little bit and mm-hmm. feel in our bodies, maybe it's just some relationships instead of all relationships. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And we know the difference. Yeah. But can we get to a place where this resource can be communal, mm-hmm. can be interpersonal, relational together, yeah. no matter what it is. Meditation down to, you know, just writing or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm, so true. Okay. Well, hopefully this gives kind of a summary and a capture of what does it mean to heal and how it can be so much more than just what happens in the therapy room. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to write in your questions, Mm -hmm. thoughts, stories for us as we're really working towards collecting all of those right now and organize them as a way to help guide the the journey that we will take on this podcast with you for the rest of the season. So So that's it. You can either email us at media at beyondhealingcenter.com or just uh, reach out to us on our social medias on whether it be Instagram or Facebook. Um, and leave your comment or, or question or story there, and we'd love to connect with you all. Yeah. Safe journeys, everyone. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will aid you in your healing journey. If you are feeling inspired by something that you heard today and desire to seek out your own therapy, we would encourage you to do so and would be honored to support you in finding a therapist that is the right fit for you. You can contact us by emailing therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Beyond Trauma Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Notice That is an EMDR podcast hosted by EMDR-approved consultants and trainers who use EMDR in their practice. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. 
On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.